With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everyone, I'm John Wertheim. It is a Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. We are doing this right before the men's final on Sunday. We still have one more match to play, and yet you have a, uh, a deep suspicion that the narrative, the leitmotif of this tournament, has already been written. Plenty of chatter about the women's final, Serena Williams, Carlos Ramos, and let us not forget Naomi Osaka. Uh, I figured rather than reduce this to tweets and even columns, uh, we would just talk this out. So I'm with Stanley Kay, a uh, young tennis reporter uh, at Sports Illustrated, budding media talent, and we're just going to uh, riff for about 20 minutes. It seems as though 24 hours later, the hot takes are still hot, uh, various perspectives, and I'm really sort of astonished and then not so when I think about it, of just how wide a continuum these go from... Uh, really one extreme to the other. Uh, There is very little in the way of consensus. We are now talking about matters that go way beyond tennis and sports. This is very much a a live conversation, so I figured we would join it. So, uh, Stanley, that was a a long intro, but uh, thanks for doing this. Happy to be making my podcast debut with you. This is your podcast debut. Um, Again, I feel slightly guilty, and let us, I, I feel like we need to just block out some Naomi Osaka time, and before we even delve in, let us say that she was the best player in the women's draw this entire tournament. I totally agree. She only dropped one set the entire time. She was absolutely unflappable against Serena Williams. And I think I think you tweeted this out, that the whole controversy over uh, the umpiring made her achievement that much more impressive just because she remained calm throughout the whole thing and really closed out Serena and looked impressive. She deserved to win. Yeah, let, let's talk. I mean, she outplayed, flat out outplayed Serena Williams in the first set. And then let's just take this in perspective. She is 20 years old. It is her first major final, and she really hadn't come close. She hadn't even been to a semifinal. She's playing Serena Williams. Serena Williams is going for history, celebrities, 23,000 people. Serena Williams has had a tirade slash tantrum. She's on the other side of the net crying. The fans are booing and also exhorting Serena Williams, and Naomi Osaka wins that game. That, to me, says as much about her as her astonishing power through the first six and a half rounds. So I would like to think that when this uh, tempest dies down a little bit, we will recall this for Naomi Osaka's breakthrough, first and foremost. Yeah, and I hope that, you know, the fact that her first uh, Grand Slam final was marred, if you will, by this uh, event, hopefully that's just a footnote in her career, because it seems like she's off to do amazing things. Uh, I, I highly doubt this will be the last Grand Slam final that she plays in, and I highly doubt this will be the last Grand Slam final that she wins. Uh, that's how impressive she looks. She's only 20, and yet she has this amazing maturity. Um, I was really impressed by her the whole tournament, but this last match really sealed it for me, just to stand up and beat your idol, beat Serena Williams, who is playing great, uh, on top of everything else that happened, was absolutely uh, a remarkable achievement. Uh, hopefully, uh 
again, this will be relegated to a footnote, and we will remember her as uh, a Grand Slam champion. But let's uh, let's talk about the controversy. And again, um, this this shows today anyway shows little signs of dying out. You'll hear the ambient noise. Fans are making their way to the men's final. You can hear uh, even the the non rerouted airplanes overhead. But really, uh, still on social media, on media media, here in the players' lounge, on the TV sets, it is still uh, fallout from from yesterday. And I, I'm not even sure where we uh, where we begin. Uh, why don't I lay out where I stand and have at it and pick it apart and, and feel free to give another perspective, which is uh, essentially this had a lot of misunderstandings. I think Serena thought that initially the first warning had been somehow retracted or rescinded by Carlos Ramos. Uh, she kept saying, I don't cheat, I don't use coaching, I've never used coaching, and that seemed to miss the point. I think Serena gave us some insight into her personality, and I don't make a judgment, good, good, bad, or indifferent. I thought it was a real insight that she clearly does not know the tennis rules particularly well. And uh, again, I, I think that's an interesting bit of insight. I'm not sure that's a knock against her. She just does her thing. But she clearly was confused both about the nature of the coaching violation, which is it is not coaching solicitation. It's simply that the coach in the stands is behaving badly and, and violating the rules. And I thought the first thing Carlos Ramos could have done and should have done was simply say, listen, Serena, I'm not impugning you i'm not accusing you this is not about your character this is about your coach after the match go watch the video i am citing your coach unfortunately you are the player on the court so you are bearing the brunt of this penalty but when she kept saying i'm an honest person you're attacking my character the obvious response was whether you received the coaching or not is irrelevant it's really about the infraction going on in the stands yeah, and I think uh, to that point, I mean, it seems like maybe there was some confusion over the rules. Clearly, they were talking past each other. And I think this gets at a larger point, which is that there's so much gray area and there's not really much consistency between how uh, matches are umpired. We saw earlier this tournament, Mohamed Layani uh, come and give Nick Kyrgios a sort of pep talk. Then we saw the other, spec the other side of this uh, yesterday with Serena Williams where uh, we had an umpire call things very strictly, and he sort of has, uh, Carlos sort of has a reputation for that. There's right. been other, he's called Rafa Nadal, for example, for time-wasting, um, not something that is usually called. Um, and there doesn't seem to be much uh, consistency with how these calls but, are made from match to match. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one, the one thing I would say about that, which is what you've heard a lot, was this is the nature of sports officialdom, not just in tennis, in all sports. Some referees in the NBA will say, LeBron, get your hand off his hip, or I'm going to have to start calling that. Others will go to the whistle. Baseball, home plate umpires have different strike zones. The nature of the job, their rule books and their guidebooks and their codes of conduct, but almost by definition, there is a sense of latitude built in. And when Mo Leani has a flagrantly tanking player in front of him, comes down off the chair and tells him to start trying and says, personalizing the message I really like you you're good for tennis that seems awfully extreme but the notion that these are robots that just have to use this conversion chart I mean we don't have this with officials in other sports we don't have this with judges we have in, in literally every capacity where there is leadership and there is authority there is this gray area so I, I think another matter so go, going back to yesterday Serena then smashes the racket that I think is pretty cut and dry you, you can't do that um, 
where I think the plot got lost, and again, I, I think there's plenty of guilt to go around. Um, I think nobody comes swaddled in glory here. But I, I do think the one knock that I have with Carlos Ramos is it is a Grand Slam final. It is, let's be honest, it is it is Serena Williams. This is a player who, never mind the 23 major title, this is not a player who is known for, for cheating. I think when she is starting in with, you are a thief, you are a liar, you do what we've seen happen so often in tennis. You put your hand over the mic, you say, you're really coming close to the line, you're gonna have to stop that, or I'm gonna have to go to the rule book. And we have seen that with Andy Murray, we've seen that with Djokovic. I mean, you watch tennis and you see this again and again. And you know, I, I tweeted this yesterday, it was 27 years ago, but Jimmy Connors said, you are an abortion. We can go, go down the list and we, we can come up with dozens of examples when players were out of line, they're performing in an aroused state, Carlos Ramos, knowing that the third violation would have been a game in a Grand Slam final, second set, you've got to show some discretion. And you've got to say to the player, listen, I'm giving you a soft warning. One more word out of you and I'm going to the book. And if Serena then doesn't stop, and who knows if she would have, then we have an issue. But I, but I thought as the game penalty was really inappropriate, and I thought showed uh, a pretty poor sense of context. I realized the other side is Serena was being a bully. Serena had already been warned twice. You can't impugn an umpire's character. It's right there in the rule book. But I think if you've watched enough tennis, you know that there is a huge amount of latitude given. And given the context yesterday, that was a very, very quick third whistle. That's where I would, uh, that, that's where I would blame Ramos. Yeah, definitely. And I think that... You don't have to agree with me? No, I, I do agree with you here because in in other sports, uh, we see all the time when, uh, you know, late in the Stanley Cup final, referees aren't going to call every ticky-tack exactly. penalty. Exactly. It's swallowing the whistle. You can uh, argue whether that's right or wrong, but to me, that shows a sense of discretion, a sense of understanding of the larger context. And this was a Grand Slam final, um, and I think that, you know, it was harsh to give that third uh call there um that third whistle as you said um it changed I, whether it changed the match i don't know serena said she didn't know i think naomi osaka would have won no matter what she had outplayed her but the larger point is it was harsh and i think that there has to be a difference between the letter of the law which he enforced rigidly yesterday and the spirit of the law this is uh brett kavanaugh we, we see and again i mean I, I don't joke about this i mean this is something that we deal with in so many other contexts i mean loose construction versus uh absolutism um well, brett so, kavanaugh actually did say that he would uh you know he, he thinks good judges are, are umpires which i think he should probably find yeah, a new analogy exactly after, uh, this, uh, this with, US Open. with uh with varying strike zones um I thought the uh, the aftermath was was a bit disappointing too. I thought the USTA really really dropped the ball, and I don't know if this was done under duress, but I thought both of their statements were really tone deaf. Uh, one sort of a general tournament statement, and one uh, from Katrina Adams, the outgoing president. Uh, that seemed to inflame and not uh, assuage. That that did not make the situation better. You can hear the clanging from the players' cafeteria behind us. Um, I, I don't know what comes out of this. I got an email maybe a few hours ago from now, the National Organization for Women, uh, seeking Carlos Ramos's removal from future tournaments. Serena Williams was fined, which, let's be clear, that is a letter of the law. I mean, they're, they're just going by the rule book and the conversion chart there. That is not some harsh justice 
no matter who had been in that position. That's just a conversion chart uh, type of find. But um, disappointment, my, my, one of my frustrations with this, though, is I'm not sure what can be done. I mean, we talk about having justice applied across the board, and we can talk about getting rid of these double standards, but the fact of the matter is there are still so many judgment calls. We have Hawkeye to decide in or out. But whether it's when to start the time clock or what is coaching and what is merely a fist pump from your entourage, there are a lot of micro decisions that go on during a match and will continue to go on. So part of this uh, is about Serena Williams and her legacy. Part of this, and again, the, the opinions are all over the road here. I mean, from this is an atrocious act of racism to Serena Williams is a bully. And if this were any other player, there would be suspension. I mean, the opinion these are not just internet hotheads I mean even within this tennis community opinions are all over the map but I'm not sure this is anything other than a moment of time I'm not sure we're gonna have sweeping changes unless we're gonna fundamentally change the sport because the chair umpire is always going to have to make these micro decisions what's amazing is this is obviously what it takes uh, to get tennis into the mainstream conversation it totally overtook uh, college football uh, yesterday. Everyone was talking about this issue, and that's a product of Serena Williams and this controversy and the fact that she really transcends the sport of tennis at this point. But I want to go back to uh, the initial call, the coaching violation. Did you think that was the right call uh, to give a, a, a conduct warning there, an official conduct warning? Yeah, it was, it was a little strange. I didn't see it. But then you not only saw the repay, but I saw when, when Patrick conceded that, yes, he had been coaching you want to say, well, all right, then maybe, maybe that was the right call. I, I, I didn't see it, but the replay seemed to indicate it. I mean, uh, the response was a little strange there. First of all, the I did it, but everyone does it is um, generally not a particularly effective defense. Say to the uh, officer, I was speeding, but so were the other cars on the highway. Try, try that one out and see if your ticket gets waived. Um, the other thing I thought implied in that was that it happens all the time. I mean, why would... What, what, do you think he's Carla, or Patrick is uh, coaching for the very first time in a Grand Slam final? So I, I thought he and Serena clearly weren't on the same page with that. It will be interesting to see what the fallout from that is. But um, uh, again, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that because there is a fine line. If someone says, keep going for your shots, is that blanket random encouragement from the stands or is that a coded message for keep going to the corner on the backhand um it's, it's a very fine line it's very discretionary again i'm not sure in a grand slam final you make that call then again if you have video evidence that he's coaching and he himself concedes it was coaching i i don't envy carlos ramos in that position how, how did you feel about that yeah i think this goes back to the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law sort of theme here um you lose I, either way right i mean if you have this video evidence and you say oh because it's serena williams you didn't call it look tell me this isn't coaching you're damned, and then you're you're obviously damned if you warn someone, the great champion midway, uh, you know, in the middle stages of a Grand Slam final. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I think again, it's the context of the Grand Slam final here, and the fact that you know it is inconsistently called. I think maybe a soft warning would have been more exactly. uh, appropriate exactly. here, basically like a warning, but not an official warning. Hey, knock it off, whatever it takes. Um, but I think that giving that warning initially, and then obviously there was the confusion over whether it was, Serena seemed to be confused over whether it was rescinded. Um, that obviously escalated the situation a lot. I think a lot of this could have been avoided. The whole thing could have been avoided had just a soft warning been issued 
um, just you know, place the hand oh, over the microphone, you. tell Serena she could have cleared it up. Hey, I'm not receiving coaching. And, and you know what? If, if she had violated that soft warning, at least he has cover of, look, I tried to warn you. Uh, let me make two more points real quick as Juan Martin Del Potro hits his final warm-up serves. One of them is, uh, I think what you mentioned, this eclipse college football. It certainly seemed to be the case. This was a trending story. We've had all sorts of people we've never seen uh, talking about tennis weighing in. Um, and I think one reason is because this touches on so many hot-button issues. And some of this, honestly, is this notion of strict enforcement, loose enforcement, strict interpretation, loose interpretation. There is clearly a race theme. There is clearly a gender theme. There are identity politics. Again, there was what I thought was a really sort of problematic statement from the U.S. from the, the USTA, but alluding to this as well. Um, is it fair, though, that Carlos Ramos, a Portuguese male who travels the tour, is implicated in some of these discussions that, that strike me as sort of uniquely this moment in American politics. Did that, did that occur to you at all? That's interesting. I mean, I think like a lot of these uh, issues of gender and race obviously transcend borders. You know, we see the same things in Europe. We've seen the same things on the tour, a lot of these themes. And Serena has really embraced this uh, being an icon uh, for feminists, for women, um, obviously an African-American icon and now a mother. Um, but you know, to me, I think, uh, you know, it, it is an interesting question of whether there was uh, any sexism. Not that Carl, I'm not accusing Carlos of, you know, intentionally being sexist. I don't know what was in his head, but perhaps like a latent sort of, uh, you know, would he have treated a man differently? I mean, you know, we don't there, really know. All, well, it's a, well, it's a counterfactual. Do, I mean, the, the counter to that is there is a whole litany of, and people have put together YouTube clips already yeah. of, of Carlos being very strict about. Nadal and time limits and going after Djokovic and for that matter going after Venus for uh, coaching I believe at the French Open I, I'm just I'm, I'm seeing these tweets and I, and I don't uh, I don't discount them I think some of them are very valid again I think the range of opinions here is vast but I think there's reasoned opinion on both sides but a lot of these that talk about this moment of Trump and that talk about police brutality and that talk about identity politics and even Brett Kavanaugh I'm not sure it's entirely fail, fair to hold Carlos Ramos uh, to those standards. And it doesn't mean we can't have a, an intelligent discussion. It doesn't mean what happened on Saturday doesn't transcend tennis and sports. But I, I am thinking that uh, we're asking a Portuguese man to uh, take a lot into account when the discussion veers into topics like police brutality and current Supreme Court nomination uh, hearings. Yeah, no. Chuck Grassley doesn't ask uh, Brett Kavanaugh about uh, Carlos Ramos. I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Um, All right. We will see where this goes. Again, can can we close with some Naomi Osaka talk? And uh, I think, again, with with, with any luck, she'll be recounting the multiple majors she won, and uh, this will simply be one of them. I also think this event really has a lot of significance for Tokyo 2020. Um, the facilities we hear are made. So someone told me the facilities in Tokyo are going to be great. All they need are more homegrown Japanese stars. Well, guess what, guys? You uh, got one at this U.S. Open. It will be interesting to see where she goes from here. And uh, again, I, I think what she did in that second set was in many ways not only as impressive, but sort of as, as uh, prophetic, as, as uh, portentous for what she's going to achieve as a tennis player as her outplaying Serena in the first set. Yeah, she uh, Naomi looks like someone who's going to, uh, you know, win multiple Grand Slams. Obviously, nothing we can't take anything for granted. But um, she really does look like not just a future star of the game, but 
really a current star of the game. I expect her to have some uh, very eager Juan Martin Del Potro fans. I was going to say, we have, uh, we have Ar- Argen- Argentina in the house. That's probably a good sign. It's start to, uh, time to start the men's final. Uh, we did not solve this issue, but uh, hopefully there's some talking points here we can uh, continue exploring. All right, that does it from here. Let's go watch the men's final. Stanley, thanks. You were great. Thanks, John. Listenato va. Oh, likewise. <laughs> thanks for listening. Have a good week, everyone. Thank mm-hmm. you.